All right, guys. Well, it is good to be back up here. It's been three weeks since I, I have been able to be up here and preach, and I just have to say how thankful I am for Mark James and Paul Jeffries uh, for filling in these last three weeks. They did an outstanding job. Amen? It was great. Let's, get, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. So if you see them, uh, really give them a big slap on the back and tell them thank you because uh, they were just a huge blessing to the whole family here. All right, guys, just for kicks, let's see a show of hands. Who still has their Christmas tree up? Three of us in the whole, oh, four of us, all right. Good. Yeah, well, I do too, so it's good to go. I told you it's going to be up there for a while. I'll probably turn it on to watch the Packer game just to give it a nice little ambiance and everything. But, uh, yep, every night my wife's turning them on, you know, putting music, just she loves it. So, like I said, it'll be up for a while. All right, guys, we are at the start of a new year which means we're going to be starting a brand new series today. And to begin with, I just want to say, I know that I shared with some of you that our next series was going to be, we're going to be doing a study on our enemy, uh, understanding our unseen enemy. You know, I figured that if we've been talking about our unseen God for the last year, it would be good for us to understand and know our unseen enemy so that we can learn how to stand against him. Um, but I've made a change of plans. We're not going to be doing that series just quite yet. Uh, we're going to put that on hold for a while. Um, we're going to do it eventually, uh, but we're going to put it on hold for right now because I feel like God wants us to cover something else that is of utmost importance in being able to live out our lives of faith. Uh, remember, last, last year, we spent the entire year really looking at what faith is and understanding it and wrapping our minds around it and and, and trying then to, to practically live it out in, in our lives. And it, and it was good. It was great for us to cover all of that. But let me just say this. There is only one way that you and I are going to be able to live out lives of faith. There is only one way that you and I are going to be able to live lives where we're believing in our unseen God and in what he is doing and then acting with him, acting accordingly. There's only one way. And that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I mentioned that truth from time to time throughout last year, but I got to thinking that mentioning it really isn't enough. Uh, if we don't understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and, and how he is involved in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, then simply mentioning it will just go in one ear and out the other. It won't really have any staying power in our lives. So this year, I feel like God wants us to take some time to really address the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and the title of the series we're going to be looking at is, is going to be called Unseen Power. And we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. And, and for some of you, I don't know, uh, this series may be a bit of a review for you. I know you may know a ton about the Holy Spirit. Uh, for some of you, it may be brand spanking new. You've never heard any of it. And for some of you, there's going to be pieces you do know, some you don't. But at, by the end, my hope is that we will be able to really allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us in a very real and very powerful way as we live out our lives of faith. That is our aim in this series. Now, today is going to be a pretty short sermon. And you guys are like, oh, that's like making history today, Luke, because you're so sneaking along. But... Uh, what we're going to be doing today is setting up for the series by just looking at God, or, or better yet, looking at the Godhead. 
um, and, and see where the Holy Spirit falls into the mix. And this is going to kind of help us or set the stage for the upcoming weeks. Um, so we're, that's what we're going to do today. And as I said, it'll be very brief. But when we speak of God, the God uh, uh, that the Bible talks about, the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we are speaking about a spiritual being that is way too hard to explain. The, the, the Bible describes God as one who dwells in unapproachable light. Now, we really don't even know what that means. But if you can picture this, if you can picture yourself walking up to the sun, the closer and closer you got to the sun, the harder and harder it would be for you to even be in its presence. And that's how it is with God. He dwells in unapproachable light. You remember the sermon, or not, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? And you remember when Jesus began to glow like the sun? And what did Peter, James, and John do? They hit the ground. I mean, they had to shield their eyes. They couldn't, they couldn't even look at him. He was so bright. Well, somehow, that's how God is, but probably a million times greater. He dwells in unapproachable light. And I don't even know what that looks like, but that's what the Word of God tells us. Let's look at that. 1 Timothy 6.15. It says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, means he has no beginning, no end, and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Pretty awesome description of God. I love the story in the Old Testament where Moses, God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I'm going to give you whatever it is you want. Whatever you want, tell me and I'll give it to you. It's basically God was giving him the credit card of heaven and saying, all right, bud, you know, cash in, what do you want? And what did Moses ask for? Does anybody know? He wanted to behold God's glory. He says, God, I want to see your glory. And God said this, he says, Moses, you can't. You can't see me in all my glory or you will perish. He says, but here's what I will do. Um, you can go into a cave and you can face the back of the cave. I will walk by the front of the cave. And at one point, I will tell you to turn around and you can look and you can see the trail of my glory. And so, sure enough, that's what God does. And he says, all right, Moses, you can turn around. Moses turns around. He sees the trail of God's glory. And can anybody tell me what began to happen to Moses? He began to glow. He began to shine forth so much so that when he went back down to the Israelite camp, he had to like put a lampshade on. He had to put, cover himself up because people couldn't look at him. All because he saw the trail of God's glory. Imagine what God is like in all of his glory. Well, no human being could see that and live. Now, something unique about God, as if that's not unique enough, and, and it's very hard for us to understand, but the Bible clearly teaches that, is that he is made up of three persons. And these three persons make up God. These three persons that we, we see in Scripture, you, you'll know, is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We can even see it on the Great Commission up there hanging on the wall. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, can anybody tell me, what are these group of three called? The Trinity, exactly. Three parts that make up one God. One essence, three persons. It's a community of three that forms a perfect oneness. Now, I'm going to say this. 
the word Trinity is actually not found in the Bible. You can look and look all you want, but you will not find it in the Bible. And, and when you hear that, you may be going, whoa, well, why do we talk about the Trinity? Why is it a, a doctrine of, of Christianity? Why do we cling to that? And the reason that is, is because the Bible clearly teaches about the Trinity. Even though it doesn't use the word, it clearly talks about it. That there is God the Father who is God, God the Son who is God, and God the Holy Spirit who is God. All three parts clearly distinguished as God. And, and, and just to kind of sidestep for a second, the Trinity has been under attack in recent years by some certain Christian groups by simply saying that it's not it's actually not biblical. It's not true. It's not right. We shouldn't believe in the, in, in the Trinity. And guys, I just want to say that if you have stumbled across that kind of teaching or kind of seen that, I want you to just not entertain it because it's not true. The Trinity is very, very important. We need to believe in the Trinity. The Bible teaches the Trinity. And, and it's important that we know that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all part of what we look at when we say God. Three parts that make up one. And, and that's a different teaching for a different time. And if you're interested in getting your hands on some information about the Trinity, just email me and I'll, and I'll connect you to some important resources. But for today's purposes, I simply want to make mention of the fact that our unseen God is made up of three very unique persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one God. God is three persons in this everlasting relationship with one another. Um, I've heard it said this before, and I don't know if it helps or it makes it more unclear, but God is not one in the same way that he is three, nor is he three in the same way that he is one. God is too one to be many and too many to be one. Is that cleared up for you? All right, we're good to go. And I agree some people are, you know, we're just kind of like, huh, I don't know what that meant, but... It is hard to understand. And, and guys, honestly, that's okay. If you think you're going to fully understand the Trinity and all the components and all the nuances to it, you're wrong. You can't comprehend God. You can't. There's just no way. There's just some things that we have to just leave in the realm of, I don't understand, and it's okay. God's ways are not our ways. You cannot, in human terms, explain God. It's not some little easy formula that you can try to whip up to try to explain to anyone. I remember growing up in South America, going to mission schools, and as little kids would be going, hey, teacher, you know, what is the Trinity? How can you explain the Trinity? And the teacher would be like, well, uh, Lukey, it's, it's kind of like a triangle. You know, the triangle has three parts to it, and, and each corner represents a different part of God. And we're like, so... God, every part of God is exactly the same. They're like the same equal triangles. Well, well, no, it's not like that. It's like a shamrock. It's got the three parts of the leaf, and they're each different, but, you know, they're one leaf. And we're like, okay. And they're like, well, here, maybe this will clear it up for you. You have water. Water can take three different forms. It can take the form of ice, which is a solid, or it can take the form of, you know, liquid, or it can take the form of gas, which is, you know, steam. You, you, it's one water, but it takes those three forms. So we're like, so teacher, you're saying that God is just one being, but he can take these different forms whenever he wants to. And they're like, well, no, that's not what it means. It's kind of like an egg where you have the shell and you have the white and you have the yolk. And all three of those things make up the egg. And that's what God's like. And so we're like, so God's like an egg, you know, and you just can't get your head around it. 
And sometimes I think we, we seek this quick analogy for children and, and for explaining to other people because we, we want them to stop asking so many questions. And we think, and I've noticed this even with myself, we think that if we can make the Trinity a quick explanation, we can just move on. And, and we think that if we say that the Trinity is somehow beyond comprehension, we think that our kids aren't going to trust us or whoever we're talking to is going to go, oh, okay. Because we think that people think, well, if, if I don't understand something, then it must not be real. But guys, we can't fear that. God is just simply unexplainable in so many realms. He's so vast. He's so huge. He's so amazing. You can't put him into a nice, neat little box. And Whitestone, that's okay. It's okay to not grasp the immensity of God. I, for one, am glad that you can't fit him into a nice, neat little box. I love that he is mysterious. I love that he is immense. I love that he is unexplainable. I mean, he's God. That's what he should be, right? And we need to be okay with that. So yeah, we might not ever fully grasp the immensity of God, but there are some simple ways that we can try to get to know him better. And at least this, this really helps for me. And very simply, all it is is understanding the Trinity's role in relation to us, okay? And today, I want to very briefly and very simply explain the role of these three in relation to us because it will kind of help us wrap our minds about it better and how to live our lives in relation to Him. And, and guys, this is just a flyover. I mean, it's a really high flyover. We're just going to briefly touch on it to try to set the stage for the Holy Spirit next week. But, and I'm, I will say this, that I want to say phase two class, but what is it again? Living the kingdom class is we talk about this in detail. And so if you really want to get into this and understand it at a deeper level, we talk about this in detail. So please check into that. But let me show you a verse that gives us kind of a peek into what I'm talking about. Um, and it's John 3.16. Most of us know this verse. You can see it hung up in football games and it's all over the place. But John 3.16 says this. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, let's look at this. Because in this simple little verse, it gives us two parts of the Trinity. For God so loved the world. Tell me, which part of the Trinity is that God referring to? God the Father. Now, how do we know that? Because it says right there in that verse that he sent his Son. Okay? God the Father so loved the world, and that love initiated him to send his Son. God the Son. And what did God the Son do for all of mankind? He died for us. Exactly. Like it says in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we see the Father loved us, the Son died for us, but where does the Holy Spirit fall into this? Where, where is he in relation to us? Well, let me show you, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, 
Because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So we see that God the Father loved us, God the Son died for us, and God the Holy Spirit, what? Saves us. Sanctifies us. We'll talk about that in a bit. God the Father loved us, God the Son died for us, and God the, God the Holy Spirit saves us. Now you might be thinking to yourselves, well, wait a minute, I thought it was Jesus who saves us. He did. He's part of salvation. We're going to see that all three of the parts of the Trinity are part of our salvation. But you're going to notice that the Holy Spirit is a very distinctive part right now, presently in our lives as part of our salvation. And we're going to learn about that in the upcoming weeks. Another way to look at this without looking at all the verses is that God the Father chose us. God the Son redeemed us. Can you tell me what does redeem mean? Say it out loud so I can hear him. To buy back, pay the penalty, exactly. To redeem someone means, let's say that there's a slave, and if you wanted to redeem that slave, you would pay the price to buy that slave back out of slavery. Well, Jesus, he redeemed us. He paid for us. And how did he pay for it? By his blood, by his death. Exactly. He redeemed us. He, he bought us back. So God the Father chose us, God the Son redeemed us, and God the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Now, sorry for all the fancy words this morning, but what does sanctify mean? It means to set apart. It means to make holy, okay? I like, I'm kind of a simple guy. I like to say holify you, okay? He, he's into holifying us, okay? He sanctifies us. So the Holy Spirit is, is all about making us holy. So all three parts of the Trinity are involved in our salvation. The Father chose us, Jesus redeemed us, the Spirit sanctifies us. And all three parts of the Trinity are one. Now here's why I mention all this. It's interesting, but we talk about the Father all the time. We sing about him, we have songs, we, we talk about God the Father in the Old Testament, working with Abraham and the Israelites and Moses and David and so on. And we see God the Father in the New Testament sending his son and raising his son from the dead. And, and we talk about the Father and all that he's done for us and he continues to do. We talk about the Father one day coming and setting up his throne here on earth to live with us when heaven comes to earth. So much about the Father. And so, yeah, you know, for the most part, we know about God the Father. And we discuss Jesus too, God the Son. All, we talk about him all the time. We talk about his coming to earth as a little baby. We just got done celebrating that and his life on earth with his disciples. And we talk about how he died for us, how he was buried and how he rose again on the third day. We talk about his teachings. We talk about his miracles. We talk about his example in living that we need to follow. We talk about Jesus all the time. So for the most part, we know about God the Son. But honestly, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we rarely talk about him at all. He often gets left out. Now, he might get mentioned or he might get alluded to, but for all practical purposes, if someone were to ask you to explain the Holy Spirit, most of us wouldn't have a clue how to explain him because we don't know him. He isn't often mentioned in sermons or classes or teachings. He is, as Francis Chan named his book, The Forgotten God. And I've often wondered why that is the case. And I think, you know, my upbringing is we rarely talked about him because there was 
there's two kind of sides to the camper. There's people that never stop talking about them, and there's a lot of craziness involved. And there's people that are so scared about that that they never talk about them. They just rather not even mention him. And, and you can be in both of those camps, but you could still be in both those camps and still not know him. That's the scary part. So, guys, we need to fully know him. Here's the deal there is no way that you and I could live this Christian life. There's no way that you and I could be followers of Jesus in living this life of faith that he tells us to live if it were not for the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we're going to find out that the Holy Spirit is the unseen power in our life, the power that enables us to live lives of holiness, lives of righteousness, lives of of power, lives of godliness. Without him, it is impossible. So why soon, we had better get to know him. You know, I always talk about grace here at Whitestone. I, I mention it, and we, we've memorized the definition. At least we think about it. Do we know the definition of grace, guys? Let's, let's put, yeah, tell it. That's a good way to do it. Let's put it up on the screen so we can look at that. Grace is God's power working in us to accomplish what we could never, ever, ever do on our own. Well, guess what? Guess who the agent of grace is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power that accomplishes more than we could ever do on our own. And that's who we're going to know better during this series. And by the end of this series, I hope that we will really have a better handle on God the Holy Spirit and what his role in our lives are right now so that we can live even greater lives of faith in this world that we live in. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for your Son. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And God, speaking for myself, there's just so much about you that I don't understand. And I need you to teach me, and we all need you to teach us. And so, Holy Spirit, as we learn more about you, I ask that you would be the agent that, that pulls back the curtains, takes the scales off of our eyes so that we can encounter you, get to know you, and grow in our relationship with you. I pray this for every person in this room. In the name of Jesus, amen.